Hey there, it's Joan Green, and you are listening to Navigating Two Worlds, where we are truly blessed to spend time learning about the complexities of interracial families. This show is designed to support an incredible community of women married to Black men who love deeply and are driven to make a positive impact within their homes and beyond through education, conversation, and love. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. I am super excited to introduce to you Jan Bugai. She is the creator of The Other Side of I Do, a podcast that she is putting out, and she is also an incredible human being. Jan comes to us with very firsthand experience in an interracial marriage. Um, she is African-American and her husband is white, and I'm so happy to be able to share her story and learn more from her. So Jan, welcome. Thank you, Joan. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad that you could join. Let's start, start off with a little bit of background, if that's okay. Um, I think the biggest and first question is, how did you meet your husband and what was it that attracted you to him? <laughs> Well, um, we met when I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school and one of my cousins invited me and a few other cousins over to her home. She told us a couple guys would be there and um, with me being so quiet, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go, but my other cousins ended up talking me into going. And so I went and my husband, which, well, we weren't married then, but he was there. And so he and his brother and a couple other friends. That whole night, we barely spoke to each other. Um, I think I made one comment to him and he commented back. Oh but it just so happened by the time we were ready to leave, he came up to me and said, um, do you mind if I have your phone number and call you sometimes? <laughs> it was funny, but um, I said <laughs> yes. And so that's uh, that's where it began. But one thing about that night I just, you know, just looking at him and his brother was there and two other guys were there. Mm -hmm. I noticed him because he was quiet and I was like, oh, you know, he's like me. So I think the fact that I thought he was introverted, you know, was attractive to me. Plus I was physically attracted to him. So, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So you, um, you took the courageous step to give him your number. He took the courageous step to ask <laughs> you for it, which is great. Um, it's funny because one of the things that I've been sort of digging into is opposites attract and definitely by skin tone and, and skin color, you guys are opposites, but it sounds like it was your similarities that attracted you to him more so than your, the, the opposite piece. Right. Um, yeah. Well, one thing about us is I went to a predominantly white school all of my life from kindergarten to uh, graduating from high school and Patrick went to a predominantly black school. Wow. So um, the guys that were over there, it was just he and his brother were the only two white people there. And the other two guys were their friends, two black guys. So I wasn't uncomfortable being around white people because I had, like I said, most of the time in class, if I wasn't the only black person there, it was one or two other. And they were probably my cousins in the class. So, Yeah, so that's really cool. And that kind of leads me into thinking about how your family embraced your interracial relationship then once you guys decided that you were going to get married, um, having grown up in a, in a more white environment, was that a little bit easier than you expected or, and then how did his family, same, same question really? Well, like I said, I met him when I was 18. It, it was about two weeks before I was to move away to college. So, um, I moved away to college. So we just kept in contact really by phone, except when the times I would come home and we dated, 
well, I guess I better go back. After we met and um, we started dating, you know, really just talking to each other on the phone. One day he picked me up from college. I rode the bus home and he picked me up and my parents, well, grandparents, because I was living with my grandparents at the time, they hadn't met him. I mean, when he would call, my grandfather would pick up the phone or my grandmother would pick up the phone and answer and they say, Jan, telephone, but they had never met him. And so he picked me up from the bus station and I was thinking, okay, well, maybe he can just get me home before my grandfather gets there because I didn't have a feeling that my grandma was going to be bothered by it, but I knew my grandfather was. And just so happened that day when he took me home, my grandfather was sitting on the front porch and I was like, you know, well, I was thinking, well, maybe he could just drop me off at the end of the street, but that's going to look weird with me having the the suitcase and white shoes. You know, so we actually what happened, Joan, we drove around for a while. <laughs> we went to my old high school park a lot and we came up with a plan. And I was like, you know what? This is just crazy. I'm 18 years old. It's time. So whatever happens, it's going to happen. So he took me home. He drove up. My grandfather was still on the porch. And I said, Let, let's just do it. <laughs> and so we got out of the car and walked up and I introduced uh, Patrick to my grandfather and my grandfather was cordial. Um, and I introduced him to my grandmother. I remember my grandma said, Oh, so you're Mr. Patrick. She always called him Mr. Mr. Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So you're Mr. Patrick. And, um, anyway, so we went in the house and talked a little bit and then he left. And that night my grandfather said, you know, is this the, is this the guy you call yourself dating? And I said, Yes, right now. And he was like, You can't find the black guy to date? I said, Well, not right now. <laughs> and he was like, Well, if you're going to date him, you can't live here anymore. And I wasn't really hurt by it. I mean, I could understand, you know, my grandparents. You know, I've been through so much, you know, been through the 60s and all before mm-hmm. that. And but my grandparents never talked about white people in our house. I mean, we, we never had, you know, negative words said, you know, except, you know, if if something happened to my grandfather and someone did something or said something negative to him, you know, he had some experience. He might talk about it, but rarely did I hear him say anything, but I knew how he was going to feel about it. So when he told me I had to move out, um, I just called my mom and I moved in with her. You so, did. I was going to say, is she was she open to you moving back home then or back to her house? Oh, she was fine. She was fine with it and she was fine with the relationship. Um, she only thing, you know, she mentioned that, okay, Jan, you know, there's maybe some issues, you know, as far as society, but as far as, you know, not liking Patrick because he was white, she, no, she accepted him from the start. That is awesome. Um, and that's so important that you have that support, but also I love that you're so understanding of the, the time period that your grandparents were raised in and that they lived through and why they would feel that way. Um, you know, it is, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure, like you said, your grandfather had experienced some things, um, brought on by white people that were not positive. So in his mind, that wasn't the best situation for you. And I would imagine he was most worried about your welfare and, you know, what was going to be the best for your future as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Um, and as then far as, as far as Patrick, like how did that work with his family? 
Well, let's see. Again, we, you know, talked mostly on the phone. It was a while before I went to um, visit him at his home. And each time I did, I mean, his mom was cordial. I mean, she's not much of a talker. So, I mean, she was just like, hello, how are you doing? But his dad, he would never say a word to me. I would say, you know, when I walk in the house, you know, hello, because normally he would sit right there in the front room. I would say hello. (laughs) His dad would never say a word to me. So, um, I just accepted that. I accepted that Patrick and I were in a relationship and that's how his father felt. I knew how my grandfather felt, but that that didn't sway me. Right. And one of the things that you had mentioned is that, um, that your siblings on both your side and Patrick's side were very supportive of you, which I, I love that as well. Oh yeah. My sister, we're three and a half years apart. She's older and yeah, she never had a problem. Actually, she was already married and out of the house when Patrick and I started dating and I didn't have a car at that time. And so my sister and her husband, they would take me, <laughs> they would take me to the movies and I'd say, Hey Patrick, I'm going to be at the movies tonight at seven o'clock. <laughs> and so <laughs> he would meet me there and oh sometimes we would watch a movie or sometimes we just stay outside the movie theater and just walk around and just talk. So yeah, she was fine with it. And Patrick has two brothers. One's much older than him. So he wasn't even in the family. I mean, you know, around to even meet me, but he has another brother that's about two or three years different in age. And, um, he's actually married to an African-American woman. So I'll see. So they paved the way for you anyway. So So one of the things that I've been really working to uncover is, is after, um, so it's, it's fun and exciting to, to get to the marriage part. And I know for you, I, I think you told me you guys were um, together for eight years before you even got married, right? Because of school and things. Yes. Yes. Um, I, yeah. So like I said, I met when I was 18, went to college, transferred. I was, a, I was like two hours away. And after a year there, I said, mom, I want to come back home. And I think Patrick was probably 50% part of that reason. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Yeah. So we dated um, about eight years before we got married. Yeah. And so I think what I, like I said, what I'm trying to uncover in my journey is once you got married, um, how the interracial relationship kind of unfolded for you. So when we had chatted earlier, you mentioned that, um, you know, there are times where him being white, you feel like he just doesn't really understand the, the depth Um, and the importance of the struggle of the African-American community, which you knew your grandfather was kind of leading you down that path. Like he was trying to tell you that it would be difficult in his own way. So when did you realize that maybe after eight years of dating and all of that, that Patrick might not really have that same um, understanding of the the culture of being an African-American woman? I think really the when I really started to feel that way was this past summer. I mean, you know, even after we had dated eight years and, you know, been married all this time, I think, you know, back then when we were dating, you're like, Oh, you know, we know that there's still issues with African-Americans and white people, but I think this past summer really brought everything to a head. And so, um, you know, it was, it was one death after the other and, riots after another. And then I would go to work and people would say things and 
I, I, I really just tried to stay out of the conversation because I knew I was there to work. I was not there to get upset, to talk about anything. So when I came home, I really felt like I couldn't have anyone to talk to because I knew Patrick, he just wants to believe that I, he loves me, you know, he knows I'm black, he loves me. And, and that's all, <laughs> and that's right. all that matters. That's enough. Mm-hmm. But um, no, there's, there's things that go on, on, there's things that happen to me, things are said to me that, you know, he'll say, you know, who, who, if I'll tell him something that someone said to me, he'll say, was it the white person that said that to you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. I'll go up there and say something to him. <laughs> but, but everything that happened um, this past summer, it just got to me. And I remember one day I came home and I was really snappy. And then my oldest son, he's 18. And, you know, he was constantly watching CNN or Fox, you know, going back between CNN and Fox. And he was um, keeping an eye on the riots and, and what was going on. And I would not watch TV. I, I didn't care to hear anything about that. All my information really came from him. And he would say, mom, look at this. Mom, come look at this. And so I I, I just fed into it. And uh, of course, you know, was upset about everything. And so one day I just went to the room and after I snapped about something, I don't remember what it was, but my husband, Patrick, came to me and he said, Jan, and this was the first time he had really said anything. And I was wondering, you know, over those past couple of days, why? But he came to me and he said, Jan, I know everything that's going on is bothering you. I just don't know what to do, but I love you. And he just hugged me. He's real uh, affectionate. And he just hugged me. And I knew right then that's all he knew to do. He didn't have the words to say, except he loved me. And whatever it is that I needed from him, he would try to do it. But as far as what words he could say to help make me feel better or help to solve with everything, whatever I was feeling, he really didn't know what to do about that. But he just wanted me to know that he was aware that I was hurting and he was there. Which is, you know, it's so important, too, that your that your partner reassure you that they are there for you and that and that many of us as women just would want that. And, and I know there are women out there who don't get that. So I'm, I'm so excited for you for that piece. At the same time, I know that you need something so different as an, as an African-American woman. And I know that, that um, you need to have those conversations and you need to be able to talk through the incidents and the things your son was seeing. I'm sure that's something you would want to discuss with your husband as well. Um, is there anything specific that you in that moment would have rather that he say or do, or now that you're looking back on it. And, and I'm, I guess I'm also speaking for other white people. What is it that, that our African-American friends really need from us? Well, when I think about my husband and, you know, how I'm feeling and what was all happening at that time, I guess I just would have wanted him just to come to me and say, Jan, you know, all the things that's going on, this is terrible. What What do you think about it? Yeah. You know, just, yeah, I guess start the conversation. How are you feeling? Making space to let your African-American friend or, or spouse come to you and, and talk about it and share what's on their heart and share um, maybe some of their experiences and, you know, be supportive of them. 
like, don't try to, um, because I know a lot of times people say, well, well, what did, what did they do? Well, maybe they really didn't feel that way. Right. You know, that's not what I need to hear when I know, I know what I know, you know what you know, you know? Mm-hmm. So just, uh, you know, giving them that space to talk, say, you know, because you recognize something's going on. And that's one thing when this was going on, a friend of mine from college, we were roommates and she's white. And we just got back in touch with each other probably about, I don't know, about six months ago or in, I don't know, maybe probably about January. And right before all of this started. And um, so when all this started, I was wondering, why is she, she texting me? She hasn't texted me to say anything. And that really bothered me. It bothered me so much that I just had to start praying about it. And one day she reached out. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. And she said, Jan, how are you doing? What is it that I could do for you? And, you know, that's that's a start. Yeah. No, she didn't know what to say. She didn't have a clue or what to say. But she said, how are you doing? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I think that to that point, um, one of the things I was going to ask you is you, it it is super important that we as white people and, and non-black of, of any you know race start the conversation so that you don't have to. Um, African-American people have had to teach and train and develop and, you know, challenge us. And, and it's our turn to take that role on. So the fact that she reached out to you and asked, that's such a great starting point. Um, I guess, conversely, if you wanted to start a conversation about, maybe not about a specific incidence, but just racial bias in, in general, um, are you able to do that with him? And and if so, how do you go about starting that conversation? Or, or if not, what, what do you attribute that to? Hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think of a specific situation, but if, say if something happened right now, I mean, I could always go to him and say, sure. you know, Patrick, you know, this happened, you know, this person said this to, you know, my best friend. Uh, uh, think about it. Um, my cousin works at a job and I'm so thankful I'm not at that job, but she works at a job and it's a, maybe two African-Americans in the office. And she wanted to apply for a position and she went to HR and tried to apply. And they told her, if you want to apply, you're going to have to have this certification. And my cousin looked at the requirements and didn't say anything about certification. And, but the lady told her, if you want to apply, you are going to have to have this certification. And I asked her, I said, well, did you say anything about that? I said, did you say, you know, the specifications doesn't say anything about certification? She said, Jan, you know what she meant. Mm-hmm. And I'm still baffled by that. I mean, here 2020, but, and then she went on to the other, you know, situations. But let's say if that happened to me and I came home and I told Patrick, you know, they told me I had to have a certification and no one else has to have a certification. He, he could have that conversation with me. He could say, well, Jan, you should go back, you know, right. and say something about it. Anything that has to do with me or his children, he can talk about it. But as far as 
trying to sort of solve world problems. He, he, he just can't. Yeah. And I think oftentimes, um, we feel like we are going to say the wrong thing or we don't want to offend or we're not quite sure. So therefore we stay quiet. Um, and I, I know that that is not the right answer either, right? Because that doesn't move the conversation along and it doesn't solve for those greater world issues. But even in your relationship, it gives you a place where you, um, as the African-American partner, will stop trying to have those conversations, I think, ultimately, because you're not getting that response, you know? Right, right. Um, But again, I would just suggest just making space for people to talk and share. And again, I mean, that's not something I would just go up into one of my coworkers and start talking to them about how I feel like when I walked into the, to the boutique, the sales lady didn't say anything to me, but the next person that walked in that was white, hi, how are you? How may I help you? And I, I looked, I'm, this happened to me. I looked around for, I, first of all, I was the only other person in there. I walked in, no one said anything to me. It was a small little boutique. And then someone else walked in and they're like, hi, how are you doing? You know, how can I help you? Welcome. And I looked around. I was like, was it not just she and I in here a few minutes ago? What just happened? What yeah. just happened? And yeah. so, of course, I left. But <laughs> Of course. Yeah. So has that ever happened to you when your boys are with you? I know you have three boys and they're at a perfect age to be really understanding this, I'm sure. Um, do you, do you, have you had times where those type of things have happened and you've been with them? I clearly remember being at Disney world <clears throat> and this was when we only had one child because I have three boys, um, 18, 10 and 11 or well, 10 and 12, the two youngest are 18 months apart. But anyway, so at the time I had Patrick and he was probably five and there's something they had going on where you have to go around to certain stations and, and gather all these stickers or, or different things. And once you get to the last station, you turn your little card in and you get some type of surprise. Well, Patrick stayed out. My husband, both my, my, my oldest name, Patrick too, and my husband's name, Patrick. So my husband, Patrick stayed outside. We had got to the last station. And so little Patrick and I walked in and it was in the part where it was like in the French area of Disney World, I don't know if you've been, but anyway, so the women there spoke French, but they spoke American also. So I walked in with him holding his hand and I, there was a one or two other people. No, then there was, no, actually it was just me and he, he and I, we walked in and we're standing in front of the table and there's two ladies sitting there and I, you know, held out my paper. They were talking to each other. So I tried to, you know, just wait until they stopped talking to each other to recognize me and acknowledge me. They never did. And other people came in and they acknowledged them and they got their cards and whatever the little gift was. About two or or three people came behind me and with their kids, gave them their card, got the little gift. And I'm thinking, Patrick was outside, so he didn't see it. And so little Patrick and I were standing there and I'm like, and they're talking in French, so they're not speaking English. So I'm just sitting there like, what is going on? I cannot believe this. I'm standing here with the card. You know, that everyone else just brought in. You know, I'm sitting here with the card. And finally, I just shoved it in their face. (laughs) (laughs) Give me whatever it is I can get out of here. Right, right. And little Patrick, he was like, well, mom, why are we just standing here? I said, 
we were waiting, just waiting. But I was so hurt about that. Yeah. 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 And I, I think at a young age, he may not have connected it back to, right. you know, a, a race, racism or racial discrimination, but clearly it is. And it's that question that he has, why do we have to just stand here? That's mm-hmm. just a question that you shouldn't have to answer. Right. Right. So I know, um, I know that faith is incredibly important to you. And I, I, I also know that that it has helped you on this journey tremendously. So can you share a little bit about how um, how your faith has helped you navigate your interracial marriage, kids, husband, you know, extended family and all? Um, <clears throat> I know that my faith has really kept this marriage together, even though I can't think of one experience that we've had just because of us being <clears throat> interracial. Actually, most experiences I remember were positive. I think about when we were dating, there's a couple of times we went to the grocery store and this lady who was ringing us up at the register, she was just ringing up the groceries. And there was a store that we had gone to a couple of times, you know, but anyway, she's ringing up the groceries. And at the end, she looks at us and she says, I agree. And that's all she says. So we just thought, okay, maybe she meant she agrees about us being interracial. I don't know. But she just looked at us and said, I agree. So it was strange, but that was cool. And then another time we were in <laughs> we were in Walmart and this lady walks up to us and uh, she just starts talking to us and she says, I, I, I just love it. I just love y'all together. Y'all are just a beautiful couple. So mo- really, we've got most positive things. Um, yeah. So I can't, like I said, I can't think of anything negative. But I know that my faith has, you know, really strengthened us and strengthened me and changed me in ways that I never could have imagined. Um, you know, going into marriage, and again, I grew up, with a single mom, my parents divorced before I even knew I was in the world. So I didn't have that. Um, I guess I didn't have the mother and father and husband and marriage. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like an example or exactly. a model. To yes, I didn't yeah. have that yeah. model to follow, except with my grandparents. So, and they, grandmother, she was always, you know, really positive, um, they always, they really weren't like affectionate. I never, I I never really saw my, I can't remember I ever seeing them hug or kiss each other. So, um, and then I'm not a real affectionate person, but I know that when we did get married, I thought I knew how to be a wife. I thought I knew how to, you know, love my husband and be there for him. And I thought he would always, you know, be there for me, but through our marriage, we've had some ups and downs. We've struggled as husband and wife. We struggled as parents. But my faith and believing God and allowing him, allowing him to use me in ways I never thought has really kept us together. So, yeah, I mean, God is good all the time. And I agree with you. And I think it's it's a lesson that 
you grow through and into uh, the faith is ingrained in you from a young age, I know, but it is when we reach out and we start really seeking his guidance and putting our lives in his hands Mm -hmm. that we find him to be more, um, more there, more, more a part of it. And I, and I also think you're right. Like he solves, he solves through us when we allow him to work through us. So I just love that. I love that about you and your family. And I know your boys are going to be amazing, um, because of that strength that you have in your faith. Um, so before we we wrap up, I, I definitely want to give you a second to share your story about your podcast. I'm excited for you. I know it's going to be amazing. So if you could just tell us a little bit about your podcast and then where we can find you, that would be great. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, excuse me. The name of my podcast is The Other Side of I Do. My story is about a wife who've, who's experienced betrayal by her husband more than once. And just when I, you know, was ready to throw in the towel and, you know, give it up, God said, try again. It's about navigating marriage, the ups and downs and all the in-betweens, including children. Because, like I said, we have three boys and children are another whole set to marriage. This podcast is also about recognizing who you are as an individual, not just, you know, I'm not just a wife and, and not just a husband but about who you are and who you really want to be. Because really the only person that you can change and make better is yourself. I do feel that um, if you're intentionally growing and trying to be the the best version of yourself, you will eventually attract better around you. I do hope this podcast will resonate with spouses who have or are going through struggles in their marriage. And I do want people to know that marriage is a beautiful covenant and that, you know, you don't have to be ashamed when you're going through some things. I know we always look at our friends on Facebook and Mm -hmm. look across the street and see the neighbors and, you know, what they're posting, but not now, not everyone's struggling, but there are ups and downs and there's some things, you know, that we keep quiet and think that, um, you know, it's just me. But I don't want people to be ashamed just because they had an argument or, you know, something big has happened in their marriage. Don't be ashamed. Let someone know. Someone's out there that has been through that same thing and, and, you know, may be able to help you. So that's what this podcast is about. Um, I'm also thinking or hoping that the spouses that listen to this podcast will recognize that, you know, in some way there is some change that needs to take place. And I hope they are willing to allow God to to use them and and be, you know, surrender to God and say, hey, Lord, what is it that I need to do to help my marriage and to be a better wife or be a better husband? Now, my podcast, I think I'm planning for it to air on January 4th, 2021. So that will be the first episode and you can hear more of my story and it will be aired on, you know, you can listen to it anywhere that podcasts are played, um, Google Play, Apple, Spotify. And also, if anyone's interested, they can follow me on my Instagram page, The Other Side of I Do. And I highly recommend it. Um, you're such an inspiration. You are so strong. You're a woman on a mission and you have um, you have something to teach this world. And I am just feeling very, very blessed that we got to spend this time together, Jan. And 
appreciate you taking the time. Um, so please go give your family a hug for me. Know that um, I absolutely adore you and I, I really um, wish you all the, the greatest things and we will continue to, to stay together through our journeys. So thank you again for your time. We'll talk again real soon. Oh, thank you, Jan- Joan. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> thank we'll you. talk. Yep. Thank Bye-bye. you, Joan. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Navigating Two Worlds. Here are a few of our takeaways. One, opposites may attract, but often it's the similarities that create the truest connection points. Two, understanding and respecting how others feel based on their own experiences is foundational to building strong relationships. Three, sometimes in our interracial marriages, we move through our lives knowing we love each other, but also unaware of how deeply race affects our black spouse. Four, as the non-Black partner, saying, I don't know what to do, but I love you, or not always having the words, is open and honest. But remember, Black people know what they know. They need us to start the conversation and to let them share their experiences and to give them space to talk openly. And number five, the only person you can change is yourself. Walking in faith and allowing God to work through you will help you be the best for your family. I'm so excited that you're on this journey with me. So please be sure to subscribe or follow me and leave feedback and comments about this episode. If you'd like to learn more about my podcast or our programs, check out my website at togetherwelovewithjoangreen.com and on Instagram at togetherwelove.jmg. We'll talk again soon.